welcome to a special Formula E Zone show post-race from London on Saturday. My name's Jack George Maynard, alongside me is Topher Smith from Downforce Radio. And we're going to just do a quick post-race show about the events that happened today. And first of all, Topher, what I've got to talk about is this man, Jake Dennis, behind me. Mm. What a win, commanded it. It was an absolutely great result. Well, it wasn't very easy to start off with because he had the battle going on with Alex Lynn. It was a battle that could have gone either way in the initial stages, neither one really giving way to the other. But then the attack mode activations came in, they hustled on track to try and get position, and ultimately Jake Dennis won out in the end. And once he pulled a gap, it looked like a commanding victory from Jake. It did. What do you make of, obviously, his strategy? Because he said he was faster than Alex Lynn earlier in the race, and he stayed out. He did those extra laps, and then Alex Lynn made that mistake, and that inevitably led him to take the lead of the race. Well, sometimes it's better to be the hunter rather than the hunted. And in the case of Jake Dennis, he was biding his time, making sure he had the energy to get through to the end. And yeah, eventually, Alex Lynn, he did make the mistake. He was pressured into a mistake early on through Jake Dennis having a lot more speed than him. We saw in the race that Alex Lynn, even with the attack mode, he wasn't able to get up to the back enough of Jake Dennis and make that move. So in the end, Jake Dennis, he had the quicker car, he had a quicker strategy. It paid off for him. Do you think that was a surprise? Because we saw Nick DeFries and other drivers use the attack mode, especially along the front straight, and they were getting their moves done. So were you surprised that Lynn wasn't able to get that move done? I was initially, but then don't forget that Mahindra has been suffering a bit on race pace this season. We saw it in Valencia earlier on this season as well. The uh, Mahindra, he was up there at the front fighting for it, but when it came to the end of the race, he started struggling, he fell back down the order. And he did eventually get a podium in Valencia, but he, had, he acknowledged himself the race pace just wasn't there. It was the same case as again, it's one of the things that Mahindra really needs to look at. They've got good qualifying pace, they've got really good drivers, they just need to extract the most they can out of that performance when it really matters. Of course. So now we're going to pass over to Jake Dennis. We caught up with him after the race and we'll hear his thoughts on the race. Congratulations on the win. Um, how does it feel? Because I'm sure going into the season, two wins in your rookie year, I'm sure you would have taken that. 100%. You know, anyone will take two wins in their rookie season. Anyone will take two wins, even if it's their fifth season. So it's not easy to win in this championship and we've managed to do it twice. Obviously, my home race. So truly, truly sensational feeling. Uh, something I won't forget in a long time and um, looking forward to hopefully replicating it another time. So obviously now you're really getting going in this championship because at the start in your first couple of races, it was a bit of a challenge. What do you think was the main thing that you've overcame personally to get you where you are right now? Well, being a rookie, you're obviously always on the back foot of just laps in the car. And obviously towards the end of the season now, I can't really use that as an excuse. Uh, so I don't really think that's it. I think one of the biggest things is just knowing the circuits. Obviously, we've come to London, nobody knew it, and we were immediately in the top three in FP1. So it's just nice to start practice at the same knowledge as everyone else, whereas normally I'm massively on the back foot because I don't know a single circuit. So, you know, if we did Valencia, Puebla here, and all those circuits, we've been in the top three or five. So I think um, we should be happy with what we've achieved. And then finally from me, talk me through those vibrations in that last couple of laps. When did you start feeling it? Did it progressively get worse as the end of the race came about? Or did it, was it like bang and it stayed the exact same way all the way to the end? Yeah, it came quite severely uh, out of turn 11. And it was probably with like 15 laps to go. It then eased and then came back again. So I was really quite worried of why it was so unpredictable. Uh, and yeah, that was the only thing I was worried about. You know, I could keep a five second gap to, uh, to Nick and Alex quite comfortably. It was just if I would have a failure, but 
thankfully the car was built strong and um, it, it came home. All right, thank you very much. Congratulations, Jake. So we've moved down to Mercedes and we have to talk about Nick DeFries because what a race tofer from ninth on the grid. And they, everyone was talking about, you can't overtake on this track. It's going to be so difficult. It's going to be a procession. And Nick proved that to be a complete myth going from ninth to second. How did you make Nick's race? Well, before going into today's events, the only thing they can really go on is their simulations from what they've done back in the factory. And from what the drivers have done in their simulators, they did feel so this might not be a circuit that will promote overtaking. But as we see time after time in Formula E, predictions don't always come true, do they? So Nick DeFries putting in a fantastic form to get himself up onto the podium. And it goes to show this is a circuit you can overtake on. Me and you were talking before the race. I mentioned that they said that there wasn't going to be any overtaking places, but you said, well, how about turn one? How about the hairpin? And, you know, points out at least three or four different ones. And we saw that in the race. DeFries was putting on a bit of a masterclass in overtaking, getting Alex Lynn right at the end as well for second place, pulling off the overtakes when it mattered and deserving second place there. That's something I want to talk about because I don't know, with Formula E, we know their street tracks, so we know they're going to be difficult to overtake. Do we need circuits that provides overtaking at every corner or do we need tracks that, you know, you only need it to be one or two places because when, you know, for purists and people who watch motorsport a long time, overtakes are supposed to be special, right? They're supposed to come along very few, but when you watch them, you're like, wow, right? And is that what we still want in Formula E? I think that's a very good question. And it's a question that might be better asked of the uh, promoters and the, uh, the regulators of Formula E. Uh, in my opinion, I love to see overtaking. I love to see on-track action. I don't like to see a processional race. But then there is a question of when is it too far in terms of overtaking. And I think it would have to take some sort of exceptional race to make you think, yeah, that's too much overtaking. Maybe it's too easy in places. Because as you say, you do need those times where it's been building up to the overtake, the anticipation of it, and then finally getting that move done. It is really important in motor racing to have those battles on track. I'd like you to cast your mind back to Jean-Eric Byrne versus Lucas de Grassia put to the last day, I think season three or four, I think it was, where we had this amazing on-track battle between them, but there was no overtakes for the lead, and yet it was still exciting to watch. It still kept you on the edge of your seat. So I think it's a very fair point that you make that sometimes we do need to have tracks where there might only be one overtaking opportunity or two or three. But at the end of the day, the fans want to see racing, they want to see action, I don't think there's like, you know, a perfect answer to that. And obviously energy management was key today because a lot of the build up towards the event was that it's going to be an easy flat out race. And that was the reason why people were saying that this was going to be sort of a procession, right? That there was not going to be any overtaking. The FIA lowered the, the battery kilowatt an hour from 52 down to 48 um, for the event. But asking the press conference, Nick DeFries was, you know, saying that the sport could be more aggressive and, and lower that even further. Do you think that could be a change that we see into tomorrow to make the race a bit more of an energy management race? I don't think we'll see any changes into tomorrow because they kind of set the regulations a bit ahead of time and they only let the teams know what that power outage is going to be just a few hours prior to the event. So I don't think we'll see any changes for tomorrow, but it's something they can take into consideration for future races. Maybe Berlin's finish off the season or maybe even going into season eight. It's something that the teams and drivers are talking about with the FIA a lot of time. And Nick DeFries, he told me earlier, he's already been quite vocal with the FIA, not just about the power usage, but also about the qualifying format, which is another big talking point this weekend. Indeed. So let's go and find out what Nick DeFries had to say at the press conference earlier today. 
just a quick question on the energy management. Obviously, we had eight minutes of attack mode today, and before the the event, people were thinking that you know we weren't going to have too much issues on energy. Most drivers ended on one percent. I think Norman Nato um, didn't even finish the race because of energy management. Was that a surprise? And do you think the FIA could be a bit more aggressive with attack mode going into tomorrow? Maybe having it ten minutes rather than eight. It's not the attack mode. They just need to reduce the total energy. Of course, they were trying to uh, create uh, more energy management by introducing a lower attack mode, but that doesn't necessarily uh, introduce a higher energy consumption. They just need to reduce the total amount of energy, uh, and then you obviously bring back, bring down the target for for every lap, and then you will have more energy management. But uh, how it was today, it's, it was very minimal energy management. I enjoyed it. Though. Yeah, I enjoyed the. Uh, Less, less energy saving. <laughs> no, but I generally thought it was, it was good. Maybe if you start 15th, it's not so good, but uh, when you're at the front, just a drive flat out, I'm fine. You would only one minute, two, three, five would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've moved down now to the Envision Virgin Racing Garage, and a race sort of to forget for them, really. The qualifying system really didn't help them this morning with the rain, and we obviously, we talk about Nick DeFries and he was able to put some overtaking, but it, it's still a tough track to come down from 17th and 18th on the grid to, to get up into the points. What do you make of their race today? I mean, up until the point where Frames had this coming together with Joel Eriksson, it was a bit of an anonymous race for them. We didn't really see too much of them into the race. And that's the sort of thing that happens when you have the qualifying format as it is. It punishes the championship leaders. A lot of drivers have said this weekend they really don't like the qualifying format for that very reason, he, uh, I think it was Sam Bird who said you don't really get a pecking order out of it because it's constantly changing, constantly swapping around. So on this occasion, Envision Virgin Racing, they're one of the teams that lost out as a result of being up in the higher groups within qualifying. And ultimately they paid the price in the race. We had them coming together between Freynes and Ericsson. I've spoken to both of them. They both have differing opinions, which I think you'd expect from two drivers in that situation. But yeah, I think so far it's been a bit of a weekend to forget for Envision. All they need to do now is just put it behind them, focus on tomorrow and try and pick up some more points. It's interesting that the qualifying system has been brought up because I remember asking this question back in season five and the drivers were sort of on the fence about it at the time. And we're sort of saying, well, yeah, it's not the greatest, but the fans love it. Therefore, it's important that we keep it because it's given the fans entertainment. Are we now in a situation where we're coming to the end of the Gen 2 regulation? So all the teams are so much closer together because they've, they've worked with the powertrain they, they understand it more, and that's why we've probably got this more competitive field. So therefore, do we think that that's why maybe the drivers are now starting to speak more forecomingly about the qualifying system and, and about changing it for season eight? Well, if you think back to when Formula E first started, it was still like it was new, it was in its infancy, and they needed that fan engagement to basically build this profile up. We had the introduction of Fan Boost, which is still ongoing to this day. They're still voting for their favorite drivers. And there were some things that were being brought in that could be considered gimmicky, fanboys being one of them. And this qualifying format, I'm not saying that it's gimmicky, but it's one of those ones where it is made very much with the fans in mind. It puts the championship leaders to the back of the grid. It makes them fight through the field later on. And it puts potentially new race winners up to the front. We saw that with Jake Dennis in Valencia. He capitalized in qualifying, did a license flag victory. And you know, it does create this sort of lottery system we have going on in qualifying. And is it the best way to do it? I, I don't know, I'm not the person to ask. My personal opinion about current qualifying is that I think it could be changed. 
I like it from a fan's perspective in that we do see different drivers doing well, different drivers coming up through the order. But it's starting to get to a point now where Formula E is really no longer in its infancy and it now needs to be taken a bit more seriously as a sport. And in a sport, you need to have the best drivers performing at the front, whether that be in race trim or qualifying trim. Because that's the thing, it, it creates that competitiveness, but there's no narrative to the championship at this precise moment. You know, if we go into Berlin in two weeks' time with 15, 14, 13 drivers go pitching for the championship in the final two races, there's no story there. We can't really build up the championship. There's too many people, there's too many things. Whereas in, the, in Formula One right now, you've got Hamilton and Max, and Formula One is loving that at this precise moment. So, yes, maybe Formula E needs something just to say, and uh, find a system where we do start getting that narrative and therefore we can start pulling in these casual people because we can build a story as media about the championship as a whole. And we had that in uh, season two and season three, the rivalry between Sebastian Buemi and Lucas Degrassi. Very well documented within the world of Formula E. We had that coming together in Battersea Park as well, like, you know, the clash of the titans, if you like. We haven't had a narrative like that in Formula E since then. Those two are like, you know, the epitome of rivalry within Formula E. But since then, in part because of this new qualifying format, as you say, we have 14, 15 drivers who can still win the championship. Is that too many? I think yes and no. It's great to see so many drivers able to take victory and so many drivers that are that competitive. It makes it interesting as a sport. But as you say, it sort of lacks that narrative, that rivalry that keeps people on the edge of your seats. I don't think we're going to get anything like that towards the end of this season. Maybe within the last race when there's only like, say, maybe five drivers who can still win it. But if, with regards to getting a rivalry of the same level of Buemi and Degrassi, I think if we're going to get that, we need to take a good look at the qualifying format. Cool. So let's find out what Robin Frines had to say about the qualifying format earlier today. The qualifying format clearly doesn't help us, uh, even though qualifying wasn't, wasn't a good lap. We were eight tenths uh, slower than uh, Edo, um, so uh, if we top our qualifying group, that's the best what we can do in Group One. Um, but yeah, we start P22, and on a track like this, where overtaking is very difficult, um, you just stuck behind other drivers which are slower than you, but they are defending like it's the last lap of the World Championship. So it's sometimes not easy, but it's the way it goes. Do you take any comfort from Nick DeFries today coming through the field to finish from ninth to finish in second? Because he did make some overtakes in that race. From ninth to second? Yeah. Well, it depends where you start from, really. It depends how the race goes. For me, I was always stuck behind other drivers. So I think some, some drivers get out of the, the jungle, as we say, like uh, Oliver. Uh, he was a bit lucky a few times. And then if you're on free air, you can create a gap. But I never was able to, to be in free air all the last four laps, but it's done. And then finally, just on the qualifying system, I know it's been a rumbling thing for years now about it. Is there any discussions or any alternate solutions that the drivers are coming up with or pressing the FIA for next season? Oh, we are definitely asking to change the, the format. Uh, as you see now, the championship standings, I think I'm P4 or P5. I've been uh, fighting for the championship from the beginning till the end but basically the top 15 can still win the championship. And I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Um, you know, you have those drivers which are always fast. They, they, they should fight for the championship till the end and not being in this scenario that, yeah, people from group three or group four are lucky with the weather conditions, start from the front. In a track like this where difficult is overtaken and, and, and yeah, 
be on the podium. So it's uh, it's not easy, but let's see what uh, what next year does. But they're definitely talking about changing the the format. So we move down to Mahindra now. Obviously, a great start to the day with Alex Ling getting on pole. How impressed with you were you with his lap? I'm mightily impressive. Alex Ling's one of those drivers. I think punches under his weight. We know he's a phenomenal talent from his days of being in GP3 and GP2 and now Formula E. And I think he's one of those drivers that is well overdue a race victory. It hasn't come yet, and that's been for one reason or another. And with the Mahindra, they've been lacking a bit of race pace they needed to get the job done. I mean, this team knows how to win e breeze They did it back with Felix Rosenquist back in season three. And yeah, just there's just that little bit extra is needed. I don't think it's from the drivers because both Alex Lynn and Alexander Sims, we all know just how good they are. Alexander Sims is a race winner in his own right. But by their own admittance, they know that the Mahindra is really good in qualifying spec, but not quite as good in the race. So I think that's what the team really needs to focus on if they're going to make that final step back up to the top step of the podium. And obviously Alexander Sims had a short race today, obviously was pushed out wide at turn four and then it was sort of like the cascade of him being hit from behind, which causes early exit from the race. How do you think he bounced back? How do you think he'll bounce back tomorrow? He'll put it behind him and move on. That's what racing drivers do. They're not happy when these things happen, but at the end of the day, it's motor racing. These things will happen from time to time. All he can do now is just make sure he looks forward. He takes the lessons he's learned from today and apply them to tomorrow. And Alex Lim was a bit downbeat after the race because he said that it was the maximum they could give and that efficiency was once upon a time their issue, but not now. It's more tire degra degradation. So he doesn't really know how they're going to overcome that for tomorrow. So what do you expect them for them then going into tomorrow? I think a lot of that is dependent on the conditions again, because we might possibly have another work qualifying tomorrow. What we saw today, it was wet earlier in the day and then the track progressively got dry and that aided the drivers who went later on. With Lynn in a position that he was in, he put in a good, uh, good time from his qualifying group, got that advantage going to Super Pole and then made a count on his Super Pole lap. He got the job done there, but then in a, what was effectively a completely dry race, a few damp patches here and there, but what was effectively a dry race, just couldn't quite get the tyres working as he liked and he didn't have the race pace. Yep, and we can hear from both Mahindra drivers now on their race. First off, obviously, the day started brilliantly with qualifying. You know, Mahindra have had, I say, a good season this season, but were you expecting the chance of pole even from Group 3 with the weather? I think for me personally, I've had a really strong season in qualifying. So, yeah, we always we always uh, aim for the pole. My sixth appearance in, in Super Pole, and first time we really nailed the lap to, to get pole position, so I'm super proud of that. Nice. And obviously, Mahindra's race pace, even though over the last couple of seasons, energy efficiency hasn't been the greatest. Did that play any role in, in today's race or why you couldn't catch that gap back up to Dennis when it's once he passed you? Yeah, I mean, we, we have efficiency. We don't have the tyre degradation to keep the race alive for us. So that's the, the next step we need to take to, to win races. So how do you go about making that next step? Honestly, I've been trying all season. We all have. So, yeah, it's, it's not an easy answer. So then, obviously, what do you think you've learned today then that you can take into tomorrow to, you know, try and go that one step further? I'm not sure. I think we, we maximise the day. Uh, let's see what the weather brings tomorrow morning. Okay, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. It was a short race overall, obviously. But talk me through, because obviously Nick DeFries was on you inside, you got caught outside. Did you just have, did you just completely run out of road? No, I actually on the radio um, blamed Nick, but that was uh, completely wrong as I understand it. Um, it was 
Mitch who hit me actually, but he got hit from behind from Rast, I believe. So, I mean, I can't blame Mitch. In the end, it's probably Rast's fault, but it's a racing incident in the end, you know. Uh, just disappointing that it's me who ends up getting tapped into the wall and break the, the drive, drive train or drive shaft or something. So, yeah. So obviously though, Lynn had really good race pace today. Obviously came home in a podium position. Um, is there anything that you can learn from him going into tomorrow's race to obviously have a better, stronger race? Um, yeah, I mean, that's the only option we've got, right? I mean, I did less than half a lap, so there's no information to, to really glean from, from my race. Uh, so, yeah, we've just got to uh, dig through his data and try and understand what we can. And finally, we find ourselves at Jaguar, which from two weeks ago in New York, they were on top of the world. They, you know, sort of, they were fighting the championship, won two nearly with Mitch Evans and obviously Bird winning, but Evans falling at the end to an absolute disaster of a race today where both cars effectively out in lap one. How do you think they bounce back for tomorrow? Well, it's effectively one of those things that happens in Formula E with the current format that we have. We talked about this already with how qualifying works. The guys who are at the top in the championship will fall down to the back when it comes to the race. This is one particular race where both drivers got caught out being in the middle of the pack. We had the tight section further around that way, around turn five and six. It's very narrow around there, and of course there was the concertina effect with the drivers, and they both became croppers as a result of it. I don't think it's anything that Jaguar necessarily did wrong. They were a victim of circumstances qualifying from having their drivers out in the earlier groups. It put them to the back of the grid because of the track evolution, and informally, accidents will happen. We've seen it so many times within the series, and when it came down to it at that pinch point over turns five and six, it's just unfortunate that it was both Jaguar drivers who were involved at pretty much the same time. Yeah, I know, it is unfortunate indeed. So, we have another race tomorrow, Tofa. How do you see it going? Because normally double headers are uh. completely different. They are, they're never the same. We never see a rinse repeat in Formula E. What are your thinking? What's your expectations for tomorrow? Well, you say we don't ever see a rinse repeat, but this man right behind me here, Mr. Sam Bird, New York season three, went and got the double win. It is possible. But don't forget, it's very different conditions now to what it was back then. We had a different qualifying format. We had the lottery format back then, where drivers picked out their group number out of a bowl. It's very different to what it is now. And Sam Bird is still in the lead of the championship, only by one or two points to Antonio Fix the Costa. So he'll be out in group one again. We're not quite sure exactly how qualifying is going to go tomorrow. As I said earlier, there could be a wet, uh, wet qualifying session again. So it could spice up that bit more. Sambo could benefit if it acts as an equaliser, but at the same time, he could find himself down in around P20 again. It's, it's so difficult to predict, especially with the format that's going on within Formula E at the moment. It's a big talking point. We've said about this so many times. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see him do well. Sambo's one of the drivers where I think if he was to get the World Championship this year, he would be deserving of it. We have about 15 drivers who can do it this year. But out of all of those, I think Sambo is one of the ones where you can say he's a deserving champion. Perfect. Well, we'll see you tomorrow and find out what happens. Thanks for watching. Goodbye.